All right, so welcome to Discovering America. I am Jim, and this is I'm Vlad, um, and this is our season finale. You said the, this is this is the is last kinda, one. This yeah. is the last one you got. Uh, it, we, like I feel like we'll we'll bring this back in some form. Like, but but this is the this is the culmination. This is kind of the the, the end of the notes that you had planned, right? But, yes, and the last one is change of status. Change of status. So tell us about that. Well. Before I go to change of status, I just kind of give example of my life. My life back in Russia and here hadn't changed at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, I used to go to the dental lab and walk in the daytime. I used to go to the studio and do mime at night. So well, that's pretty much basically yeah. the same thing I'm doing right now. So my status hadn't changed at all. My brother, he was an engineer and programmer. Uh, back in Russia, he moved here. He became a full-time programmer, mm. writer. His status hadn't changed at all. Uh, his wife, she was a teacher, school teacher uh, for French and English mm. in school. She moved here and she has her own uh, uh, daycare. Huh. So she's the director of school for pre-K. So again, like school. very, very similar. Yeah. So basically status hadn't changed. Mm-hmm. Now let's take my dad. Okay. My dad was a second person in a big company, kind of like Johnson & Johnson, you know, really big company. Mm-hmm. And that was a chemical company for that would have chemicals for everyday life, from shampoo, soaps, paints, whatever it is, whatever chemical. Mm-hmm. And he was a second person in that company. So he had tens of thousands of people under him. Mm-hmm. He had a company car, he had a chauffeur, and, you know, great benefits, good uh, paycheck. Mm-hmm. He moved here, and he became a dishwasher. Yeah, basically, like that's a huge crush of status. Yeah. Now he handled very well. Mm. He said, "I know I'm not what I used to be, but I didn't do because of me. Mm-hmm. I did it for my kids mm-hmm. because kids didn't have any future. So my decision was absolutely." set in reality. I knew I'm not going to be in a big company. I knew I'm not so going he, to be in a big company. come to terms role. with that. Like, Absolutely. That a, a, so, but whatever no job is going to be available for me, I'll have it and I'll try to do it the same way like I always did, do my best. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. My mom was crying. My mom was crying because her husband lost weight. Because we didn't have a car and he had to go uphill to the nursing home where he would wash dishes uh-huh. and downhill from the nursing home where he would come back home. This is the only time he walked in his life because he always had a personal car. Oh, so yeah, wow. obviously he lost weight. My mom felt ashamed that her husband lost weight. So your mom was stuck in that sort of renaissance view of like, yeah, like if you're fat, that means you have money to have Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. When I moved out of the house, she was crying again because she was ashamed to tell that her son moved out of the house on his own. She didn't tell anybody about it. And if anybody would ask, she wouldn't tell them that I would live somewhere else in an apartment by myself. I feel like my mom kind of felt the same way. <laughs> like I was, 
I was 32 when I moved out, but like we we have we live in a we we, we have a very like know, our our Italian family like our the the kids they live at home until they're 50. Uh, like so so that's kind of a thing. In a, it, it, that that's kind of a thing in our culture too. Is is that um, they don't. They, they they pride themselves on being so tightly knit that the kids stay at home all the time. It's not a they're not seen as a burden. Um, so like when I when I moved out, even though it was at a very very old age, <laughs> like by comparison, like my parents were not like thrilled about it. <laughs> um, for me, it was a necessity, and I think we addressed it in uh, episodes mm. be- before because I yeah, knew for me. To succeed, I had to get on my own. I had mm-hmm. to know how to operate in this world all by my own mm-hmm. because my parents would never be part of this world. They would never change. Well, yeah, you mentioned that it was like the difference between like stick, st- b- b- staying Russian or becoming American. That's right. They're the ones who don't learn English and who kind of stay in their own circles and that's that's okay for them. Yeah, little but... Brighton Beach and that's all your world, basically. Right. Two blocks to the right, two blocks to, to the left. And uh, that's all your America. Yeah, all the so, the, the the Polish people who settled in uh, you know central Massachusetts kind of similar. Like <laughs> a lot of my minorities, a lot of yeah. people do the same thing. That's why you have Little Italy. That's why you have Chinatown. Right. Um, yes, but usually second generation trying to move out. Right, and I know from there. teaching the teaching a lot of second generation or like like second generation kids who are uh, like first generation English speakers kind of like kind of the same thing also dynamic inside the family changes mm-hmm. a lot when I was growing up you know we didn't have not everybody in the family would have phones yeah so we would go to each other's houses that's how we kept in in touch mm-hmm. so there would be uh house of my grand aunt okay and about once every three months the whole family would just go there and spend the whole night there everybody would yup everybody would tell all the news everybody would kiss the kids and then for another three months everybody happy mm-hmm. uh, and then every four months somebody would go into the country house where uh, in the countryside, about 40, 40 miles from Moscow, where another part of the family live. And we would spend, you know, Sunday there mm-hmm. and see all that part of the of the family. Uh, and that would be constantly, like all the time. That's how you keep in touch uh-huh. with everybody. Here, I love my brother dearly, but... I didn't see him for almost three quarters of the year. And he lives in Massachusetts. Um, His life is different. My life is different. I'm busy. He's home. He doesn't feel too good. I feel, you know, sometimes overwhelmed with whatever it is. It's hard to get together. Maybe it's that diversity of experience that maybe you didn't have back home. Like that that you're all doing different things. Um, I I love going there. Uh It just life... Pulls you so much. Oh, for sure, it's apart. like well, it's like I have my yeah, I have the same best friend from high school. Like, and have I seen him in the past year? No, I have not. We text every now and then, but like, it's it's the same. and he lives a half hour from me. But like, 
that's, that's yeah, kind of the we're, the we're on the phone, we're mm-hmm. on uh, Skype yeah. once in a while, but to go and physically see it's not. And I feel kind of guilty about it because he's like my only brother and I would love to go and see it, but life just stays in a way. That is like, but but that is a thing. Like, and I know a lot of people who have the same, have the same thing who like, have friends and family who they just never see, but then they see once, like every couple of years, and it's like then you know nothing ever happened. Absolutely, but yeah, because like, yeah, my best friend lives. I live in Uxbridge, my be- Massachusetts. My best friend lives in uh, Dover, which is one road all the way from my house to his house, forty minutes. Do I ever see him? No, like <laughs> because life happens. Like yeah. you know, he's got a demanding job. I've got a demanding job. Like he's got a family, and I. Well, you know, I have cats, but like <laughs> that's the. But it it is that way though. Um, for a lot of people who were somebody in Russia, they become nobody here. So it's true of a lot of countries, like or a lot of pe- people who emigrate from a lot of countries. Though, like I've had cab drivers who tell them being doctors in their own yeah, countries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, Africa, you know, doctors yeah. becomes like nursing assistants. Mm-hmm. You know, teachers become babysitters. Mm-hmm. Writers, artists, basically dog walkers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that is how like you know native to, writers and artists who are native to this country also become. Absolutely, that's the only way to make money. Yeah, Um, you know, not knowing English, age, uh, not being able to pass exams for your trade, not being able to pay. Yeah, Mm. Um, whatever reason, it moved people from the top to the bottom, and for a lot of people who weren't ready for it, it became a tragedy. It's very tragic to lose that status, to lose. Yeah. Uh, identity who you are um, and uh, people would get into depression get very angry discouraged with America and very sorry about their decision leaving the native country mm-hmm. they want basically to go back because whatever expectations were it was never fulfilled and they felt very very lonely desperate Mm. And at that point, um, you know, when people leave Soviet Union, they would say, you know, you would ask them, why would you leave? And the first, the most common answer was because of freedom. Uh I want to be free. Uh Um, Because we never felt freedom back in Russia. Always somebody was watching you. You never were saying what you wanted, it was always under somebody's big brother eye. So the sentiment why you want to leave was always the same, freedom. But very few people realized that freedom is not only freedom to succeed, it's a freedom to uh, fail. Mm -hmm. Because nobody is watching you now. Right. It's all up to well, you. it's a total culture shock. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you don't know how to operate in that world, you're failing and there's nobody to catch you. 
Yeah, there's no there's there's no government keeping an eye on you. Well, there is, but in a different way. Absolutely like, it's different a, way. Uh, yeah, like it's it's very you know it's individualist as opposed to the co- very collectivist idea of uh, of of the Soviet Union. But like, yeah, uh, it's to the in a sense like you're kind of on your own. Yeah, you know? nobody gives a crap about you. That's basically what it is. Which Everything can be freeing in some ways, in but, some also, ways but also scary. But if you ways. never knew how to live this way when nobody cares about you at all or has any interest in you, you really don't know what to do with that freedom. Yeah. You, you, you don't know. You honestly don't. You know, it kind of reminds me of people who never had any money at all and then they win... Lottery, mm-hmm. and within five years they broke. But yeah, because they don't know how to. They, they never learned how to manage it. Yeah, they don't know. They don't have the slightest idea what to do with it. Well, it's like the MC Hammer thing. Like, yeah, know, I mean, yeah, like I mean, you were, yeah, yeah, you were in, you were in the country by the time yes. that, that yes. he became. I remember when, yeah, he, when he made all his money, but then yeah, then he lost it all. He, got, he blew it, and uh, he is not unique in that. Yeah, no, not at all, at all. Um, so it's basically the same thing with, with freedom. You always want it, you have it, and then you look around and you don't know how to do it. Well, it's a two-edged sword. Yeah, freedom, like, yeah, you, you, yeah you're on your own and you make your own fate, but also then you're on your own. Like, you <laughs> you know, nobody's, nobody's going to catch you when you fall. Yes. And uh, for me, personally, I always thought about immigration as a big adventure. Mm-hmm. So basically, I'm here to have fun. Regardless uh-huh. of what it is, and uh, if I don't understand something, I simply accept it. I'm not fighting it. I'm not trying to justify. I'm just well. That's how it is, and I'm just taking it. And for me, it made it easy to adapt without judging. I feel like, and I feel like even a lot of. I've been a lot of people who are who are not, you know, who are not going through culture shock, have trouble grasping that. I have trouble like coming to terms with that. The idea of, of just like, well, hey, here we are. We're in the great unknown. We're in the abyss. Let's explore. Like kind of like the the idea that no, that, you know, we're without a net. Let's just do stuff. Yes. Uh, and uh, and you use the term freedom to fail, which is an improv term, <laughs> which is it relates to what we do. The idea that, like, we you know, we are, we, we perform improv comedy without a net. We, we have, like, uh, uh, it, like, we make stuff up on the spot, and that means we have freedom to fail as well. So if it fails, it fails, and we do it. Like, And we accept the world as it is. As Whatever it is. is given to us, we're not arguing, we're not judging, we're not, we're just accepting. Yeah. And it's a great way to live. Actually, without... Knowing improv without even doing this, that's how I looked at my immigration experience. And I'm yeah. just like, well, that's so much easier compared to trying to beat the system, trying to put my own rules that I grew up with on people around me. 
it's very small world compared to a very big one. Like, you know, like the, the idea of like, cause you, cause you mentioned all the, like, well, it was all what, that Soviet Russia was all about beating the system. And just yes. like, kind of that, like the implication there is you can wrap your mind around how the whole thing works. And it's like, all right, I got it under control. I'm just going to do what works. Like, and, and then that's the difference between that and, Oh, this is, this is unknown to me. And I don't know. Like, so let's see. Um, you can, you know, I think I told you before that mm-hmm. a lot of patients that we see in our practice yeah, are yeah. Russians simply because I speak Russian, so uh-huh. they familiar. Mm-hmm. They still come in with the vodkas and candies. Oh, yeah, with the gifts. And, uh, like, with the gifts. Kinda, yeah, because that's that's that the way to be, you know. You got to grease the wheels a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not changing. And no matter how many times I'll say, please don't do it. You don't have to. It's that's... not what it's all about. It doesn't change. My mom used to be a visiting nurse. She's retired now, but like she, uh, I forget exactly what nationality the people were, but like when she she went to visit a newborn baby, uh, yeah, you know, like she she used to she used to go around visiting usually newborns. She was a lactation consultant, so she would like give advice to the moms at breastfeeding and stuff. But like at one of the homes she went to, they the the family had uh, immigrated from i forget what country but they, like it was either russia or eastern europe somewhere like and they kept trying to like get her to like toast with them sure like they kept like giving her like some kind of liquor like like no no you have to you like, have this to is like a, no, she's like i'm working <laughs> I, 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 i'm a medical professional i cannot drink on the job no 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 it would be an insult if you don't and I, was like, I can't i literally cannot <laughs> that's exactly how it looked at that it's an insult if you don't do it right exactly well he it reminds me you know we have when we had a wedding back in russia it would be about 150 200 people yeah, the yeah. family was so so big yeah, and yeah. close so obviously i had some you know cousin, double cousin, triple cousin, whatever it is. And one of them uh, walked basically in a restaurant. Yeah. So a lot of people would come to his restaurant and he would invite them and he would have to spend and drink with everybody, you know, and make them welcome because this is the only way to be together. He died at 40. Jeez. Yeah, from drinking. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean... Because that was a life, and he couldn't say no. You know, that's how... It was. That's, a lot of, you, that's a lot of not saying... That's a lot of saying yes. I mean, like... That's... A, that, that's, that's... I mean... That, that's a lot, even for that. Yes. Yeah. Here's another example, okay? Uh-huh. I mentioned my dad. Yeah. And on Sundays, usually, mm-hmm. he would have business meetings... <laughs> uh in our house yeah so two three four of his friends uh business friends so they were representative from all different different companies to put together you know chemicals where to sell where to buy how to mix it where it has the recipe whatever it is and some of them were from different republics like georgia uh, Uzbekistan, yeah. Latvia, Estonia. 
so they would come to Moscow and they would have business meetings. Mm -hmm. Okay, that usually would be on Sunday. It would be about 10, 10 30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. It would take care uh, in the kitchen. So there would be kitchen, table, four or five guys uh, sitting around the table. My mom at the stove. She's making all kinds of goods. Uh -huh. And on a table that would be one, two, three, four, five bottles of vodka, cognac, wine, and whatever else they would bring. Were they mixing? They were mixing, definitely. Jesus. Like and vodka, that cognac, and wine. And that would start 10 o'clock in the morning with good food. And they would do all the business, just like in a golf course, you know, well, like guys yeah. would go and have a yeah. business meeting. So all the problems were solved. All the deals were made around the table with a, a lot of liquor. Yeah. Okay. And then my dad would call taxi. Okay. Yeah. And taxi would take all those drunk guys out of our house to <laughs> whatever they were bless staying. The, bless those taxi drivers. Though. Yes. And, and then if they ever left the country, they would be the taxi drivers taking the drunk people home. <laughs> and my dad would say, okay, time for me to go to sleep. And he would go into the bedroom and sleep for the rest of the day. because. But the business was done, honestly. Business like, was done. That's, yeah. It wasn't often, but when it was, that's the formula it was. You yeah. go, you eat, you drink, you solve all your problems, you made all the deals, and it's done. No, no papers, nothing is signed, everything is a shake, uh, handshake. Okay? Yeah. Everything is done this way. One night, my dad called home and said that he needs money. Oh. So, he needs a lot of money. So, my brother, who is older than me, and he could go and take a taxi in the middle of the night and whatever it is, my yeah. mom would never let me, got the money from under the you know bed, whatever it was, cash, and left. Next day, I hear the, the story. My dad had a business meeting with like five or six other guys in a restaurant. Okay, He took all of them in. He paid for the whole bill, whatever it was, accomplished whatever it is, realized he yeah. didn't have money. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he made a phone call. Yeah. My brother ran there, right. took care of everything. But that's how it was done. That's how you do the business. Well, yeah, like, a, there's that all, like, sort of under the table where, like, you know, hey, this here's the official way, but here's the way we really do it. That's that's how we do it, yeah. yeah. And he took care of it, and he was successful at this. Yeah. Could make a deal, and it was over the drink. Uh, that takes a lot of finesse. Like, that yes. takes some skill. On the other hand, you know, I lived in my parents' house till the age of 24. Mm. I never seen my uh, my father drunk. Like, stupidly drunk, you know, Because it was down. tactical. It was absolutely tactical. He never lost the sense of what has to be done, how to be done. Again, a skill. A skill. Yes. That's what that is, yeah. Um, my mom never said no to any of the friends or any of the meetings. Well, I'm not cooking. I'm not, you know, cleaning after. Another skill. Like that other. Another very, skill. Yeah. They had to do it t together. She knew 
the house has to be clean, the food has to be prepared, and the refrigerator has to be full. Yeah. And she just did it for years and years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah. They knew how it needed to be done, and they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Serious. That's how it was. Um, the other side of it, because he was so successful, I remember other days when he would say, you know what, all the money in the house, all the gold in the house, or whatever uh, we have, yeah. has to disappear. So I would have a little box mm-hmm. filled up with all that stuff, mm-hmm. and I would go to like my aunt's house or my uncle's house or yeah. somewhere else, stay there for a little bit, all the money, whatever we had, you know, price in the house would be empty. Why? Because you never know when somebody can knock on the house and just look through and figure it out. See and, what you got. Okay. Yep, see what you got. And next thing you know, somebody's in jail. Yeah, right. So I remember those nights when I had to take everything away. Yeah, but the, that's the thing you mentioned about corruption kind of being the thing that, like, the glue that, the, the like, the, the, the scotch tape that held the whole system together. Yeah, and once in a while, system get upset. Once in a while, yeah. And had to but if they the, ever had to use it against you, they could. And had to do cleaning. Yeah, right. And, you know, you might end up Well, it's being, like, how, how dare you? <laughs> yes. Um, in fact, when I was probably, I'm trying to think, God, it's hard to say. I would say about 10 years old, all of a sudden in our apartment, there's a man living. <laughs> okay? And we have to call him, for example, I don't know, Uncle Joe. Okay? Yeah. Uh, never met him before. And all of a sudden, my family would give him a room, and all of us stayed in the rest of the house. And he would leave, he would never leave the house. He would never leave in the daytime. He would never pick up the phone. So basically, he was uh, away from people who were looking for him, which was the government. Um, He would live with us for a month, for two months, and then some kind deal would be made. Mm. So basically, they would look for him till somebody would grease the pound that he would end up instead of 10 years only with two years of prison and then he would go to the authorities and we would know you know uncle joe had to go worked it out yeah (laughs) yeah worked it out um so there was those days those realities that that you live with as a kid and it's no thinking now it's like crap i can't believe that that's what we did but that's what we did, and that yeah. was absolutely normal. Um, another thing would be like, okay, uh, Uncle Frank just come back, and he has a few years to, to leave, uh, so we have to go and visit him. Mm-hmm. So that means he stayed about 10 years in jail. He was ready to die. Mm-hmm. They let him out, and the whole family goes to say goodbye to you know, mm-hmm. Uncle Frank. Yeah. And he's in bed saying thank you very much. Two months later, he's in, he's dead. Mm. You know, because he had cancer. Whatever oh, yeah, it yeah. was. Um, so that was the reality that, that you live in. So obviously, when you grow up doing all of this and seeing all of this, you don't want to be part of it. Yeah. You don't want to. So when we emigrated, I'm like, 
thank you God that I don't have to live the same life in being scared and running with the money from one family to another and being scared at every single knock at the door and the last thing, yeah. going to you know saying goodbye to people that I didn't see for 10 years and now they you know dying yeah um, so for me it was like thank you God yeah I don't have to live this life and that's why my father was not sorry about leaving because he knew that eventually he would be one of those people in jail or I would be one of those people who had to, you know, do something against the law and sooner or later it would catch up with us. Yeah. Because at that time nobody knew that... He sensed how tenuous it was. That, um, you know, so many years in 1991 the country will collapse. I mean, nobody would ever imagine this. Yeah, I mean, but I feel like the things that you're, the the things that he was worried about then are still the things that he would worry about now if you're still in Russia. Like <laughs> in some ways, well, in the nineties, it was basically gangsters. Yeah, you know, they were killing each other, killing everybody around. There was no law and order. Well, that's pretty much how Putin, at all Putin came to, power. and that's like, why he still laughed because well, he cleaned it up. Well, right, yeah, that's well, that's how fascists. Get you know gain their powers because they could become. I'm gonna keep things in order. I'm gonna keep things straight. I'm gonna just arrest whoever. Like I'm gonna <laughs> like no matter if they're guilty or innocent. Like I'm gonna put them away just to make sure. Like it's the same thing. Yeah. He cleaned it up. Mm-hmm. And people who lived through the nineties who were afraid to go outside because whatever it is, he were, they were afraid to start the business because it's going to be jumped. They were afraid to have money in the house because it's going to be robbed. Uh, well, that's what happens when a, when a like when a system of government gets overthrown and there's like not no much to world. replace it. Like that's yes. what that's what. Well, the first thing that happens is chaos, and the second thing that happens is some strongman takes over because they want to get rid of the chaos. Yeah, and that's what happened. That's and he did, and yeah. he was strong enough, and he cleaned the country, and that's why people still like him, no matter yeah. what he does. Yeah. They I feel like he's reaching the end of that rope now. <laughs> like it's well, like with some population, you know, with the younger yeah, people, but yeah. the older guys. Oh yeah, no, sure. it's absolutely fine because Russia always wanted a strong leader. You right. know, Stalin, as terrible as he was, he killed twenty million of its own people. Right. Okay. He still missed. No, he no, still I missed. Yeah. People still saying, well, when Stalin was in power, we had meat, we had on, on, on the shelves, we had milk on the shelves, we had food, whatever we want, we had everything. Yeah, well, that's the same thing as like the Italians saying Mussolini made the, made the trains run on time. Like, it's, a, it's the same thing. Yeah, n- none of his planes are. Uh, who could fly well yeah (laughs) (laughs) and he had so many of them but none of them worked well he got you know he felt sore about anything being taller than him but (laughs) um but people still like it people still miss it um that's why a lot of them can figure out how to be here because there's no strong man to take care of them right and I feel like a lot of, well, a lot, a lot of people here, too, I mean, a lot of um, the native-born Americans still feel like they need that, uh, still sort of gravitate toward a strong man. Uh, 
uh, uh, you know, which is why, you know, I don't want to get too political, which is why, <laughs> so, which is why someone who makes, someone who makes like a lot, someone who, who talks tough a lot, maybe cannot back it up, tends to get a lot of political attention. But anyway. <laughs> well, talking tough now became a credo. That's what you have to do. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. And sometimes you can't carry the water with, yeah, right. with what you have. Sometimes you literally can't carry the water. You need it in two hands before you like, <laughs> drink it. <laughs> so, anyway, that's the end of it. And, um, Jim, I would like to thank you for it because I always wanted to have and share this experience. Thank you. This has been like, like I, this is a, a just a, uh, just a side of you and just a side of like, or just like a, uh, 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 sort of worldliness that I haven't been exposed to. Like, and I think like, it's really interesting. Um, the thing, well, the, the things that are, the things that are very similar and the things that are very different, the, 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 or like the sort of, the sort of horseshoe things between the two cultures that are very, that end up being very close for being so different. True. Um, the way you, uh, one, one thing I wanted to, one thing that I was reminded of a little bit, uh, when you're talking about, like, the need for, uh, like a guiding hand, like you say, like the, 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 the thing, the caveat of being like, of, of, you know, immigrating here is that like, nobody's watching, nobody's, nobody's taking care of you, like nobody, there's no net, there's nobody there to catch you. And I'm wondering if, like, that's where a lot of conspiracy theories take hold like like very like the most ridiculous of like the most ridiculous of conspiracy theories like the to think like like illuminati or something like that to think like people want to think that there's like somebody in control and like they you know it's very like it's kind of it's it it's in line with a lot of the like anti-semitic stuff for like the people who say like Oh, the, 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 this cabal of Jews controlling the entire country and you know there that does that stem from the need to think that there's somebody in control like do people just not want to think that no it's just me we're here there's nobody there's nobody guiding us like does that come from that like, I don't that I can tell you but I think people always look for the safety net somewhere yeah. Yeah. okay they don't want to just fly free whatever it is and some of them finding uh finding in friends and family uh -huh. some of them finding in religion uh -huh. some of them finding in uh high education mm -hmm. uh some of them uh and science for example yeah. and some of them finding in uh what, what you're talking about yeah crazy stuff it's stupid yeah things. yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but i think it's one of the needs that people have inside of them it's one of the um back in russia you don't believe in god they took religion out of it. i mean yeah now it, it, it come back but for some purposes, yeah. Yeah, but the way I grew up, religion wasn't part of the society at all. Right, yeah. And in fact, if you're religious in some ways, you can't 
uh, be promoted. You can be part of the a lot of different things. So well, you're supposed you to be, be devoted big. to the collective, to the community, yes. to the, the, the yeah. You're not but you can't attend the college, for example. Yeah. You can't hold certain jobs. Right. Uh, that would be simply closed to you. Yeah. Um, so people had to find something instead. Yeah. And government offered that. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's okay. interesting. So, the need is always there, but what you... Where uh, you take it from is the difference. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, here you have more options. You, you can be, um, you know, take it from religion or, you know, or look in, in conspiracy, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, I feel like some people are, like, filling that... Some people end up filling that spot with a really unhelpful thing. Like <laughs> Well... It's an empty spot, so yeah. it, you're going to be filled with with something. Yeah, sure, yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Um, so thank you again. Thank I you. was enjoying to tell the stories. I hope my son will listen to it because <laughs> that was so, all because of him. Is that what this is all for? Like, you <laughs> yeah. well, I, from very beginning, I said <laughs> it was seen, a very, very. There was an SNL. <laughs> there was an SNL sketch that, like, where it's about a uh, a father and son who start a podcast so they can actually talk Stop to each other. Each other. <laughs> That's the only way they can actually build a build a relationship is if there's a microphone there. It's like, yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> Yeah, my my son and I, Mark, we built our relationship actually, actually uh, on the stage of bit players. Well, when he was a musician, first? when he was a musician, huh. yeah. Um, before I couldn't understand him, he couldn't understand me. We're, oh wow! We're like That's... in two different worlds, completely. And after two years being bit player musician. We actually became good friends. Oh wow, that's changed. I didn't know that 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 did that. I didn't know that that made had such a profound impact. Yes, for oh. for for my son and I. Yes, Vlad. From, son, Vlad son, for those who don't know, Vlad's son Mark did play. Uh, was was a musician uh, with the bit players for a, for a time for two years. Yeah, for two years. So, uh, was he still in high school or was he in college? He was still in school. when he went to college. He he, 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 he left. But last two years of high, high school. school, yeah. And from that point on, we actually became more like friends and less like f- father and son. Wow. And yeah. relationship progressed so much. We're so comfortable with each other. Uh, we tell each other stories. We're laughing in the same joke. We're very different people on by any imagination, okay? Like, absolutely different. But... From that point on, we can relate to each other. There's something in there. I don't know. I don't know exactly what like what pithy statement I can make about that, but there's something in there about like the relationship between two men. Like like in the like that 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 it takes something like that to actually like start the bond and like sort of break the break the ice. Like it, 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 I always found that really interesting. I think I can't tell for myself exactly what it is but um for him i think i stopped being like 
just the dead. Yeah. You know, somebody to to enforce the rules. Saw you in your natural habitat. Yeah, and he just saw me a guy who having fun, and I don't think he's seen me that he's seen that side of me at all, and I've seen him having fun on the stage and laughing at the jokes and uh, you know being with the ladies not at all being at home and being a joke yeah right <laughs> so like, he's very de- 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 defensive at home he wanted just free i get and, that yeah um i saw him out of the house out of the environment where I usually would see him and he was just a nice kid having fun and playing good music and being a part of something we both shared and loved that's so cool. Like I never, like I, I, I never thought of that while he was playing with us. Like that's that's I, I never knew that that was what that meant. But that's awesome. I'm thankful to beat players for so many things, and this oh, is one of them. And this is one of them. And well, we know each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. I lost both of my parents while I was with the beat players. Yeah, and that experience made so much more palatable because of being here. Because for, you know, being in a room with a sixth person who is so dear to me and loved by, by, by me mm-hmm. and come back here and completely separate those two worlds. Mm-hmm. That was so good. That was such a blessing. It's a blessing. sense of stability. Yes. It? Yeah. it was such a blessing uh, to be here. And uh, I'm so thankful for it. Yeah. Like that, it... it it means something similar to me. Like, you know, like it's the, the, the bits have been there through a lot of life changes for me too. And that's kind of, yeah, I kind of have the same feeling. Yeah. It makes it so much easier. Um, do you remember a long time ago, maybe four or five years, Frank gave some papers to all the bit players and there what was, what your favorite game, what the favorite cast, what, yeah. Remember? Yeah. And one of the questions was, uh, why are you here? I don't remember what I answered, but I remember that. The, the and like, I remember that the games were like five games that were basically the, the, the same. Yeah, yeah. The cast was basically the same, the ideal cast. Yeah. But that answer, why are you here, was for everybody the same. I'm here to forget about what is there and just have fun. Uh-huh. Nobody put, you know, I'm here to have meetings. I'm here to have drama. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm here to solve my problems. Nobody, okay? Yeah, right. Uh, nobody wrote, you know, I'm here to make a certain statement. No. Yeah. Everybody basically saying, well, I'm here to have fun and forget about other part of the life. Right, yeah. That was unison in front of everybody. Pretty much, yeah. And it's true. It's yeah. true. We're coming over here for one reason. To have fun and uh, help us with whatever beyond the stage. Yeah, that, that, that is it. Like, to, to, it, sorry, it all can kind of be distilled down to that. Like, I think that was about, like, my answer is some, was probably something similar yeah. to that, if I remember. I remember it was for everybody basically the same yeah well i'm here because like this like this has the, like everything sort of just sort of fell into place and the bit players have been like a they've been a uh just consistently a 
a, a source of stability for me. No matter what it is, on Friday and Saturday we're here doing stupid shit at Getting 8 fun. o'clock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what we're doing every Friday and Saturday at 8 p.m. at the Fires Theater in New Colorado. <laughs> All right. So it's good. Uh, you and I, maybe one day we'll have a podcast about French and Italian music. Oh, certainly, yeah. So we're talking. We're going to talk about Aznavour and uh, uh, and Celentano. Yes, <laughs> like in the Celentano, Aznavour, Yes, Edith Piaf, Ademol. Yep. Uh, yeah, we will do that. We will. <laughs> like maybe that'll be the second season. <laughs> um, it would be good to have uh, Chase here too. Oh, certainly, yeah. Why? Because all those names and all those musics and all those tapes. I gave it to him as well, so yeah. he knows all about it, and he can probably, um, you know, address it from the music point of view. Yeah, he could. Well, he could. He, he'd have a lot more to say than than I would. I'd just be like, "That's good. Like, <laughs> that's, I like that. I like this. I didn't like this one. I like that one. Like, I'm not a. I'm not like a. I, I don't have the language that he does as far as like like I grew up with music I have a family I'm in a family of musicians I played music growing up but I don't know I can't like talk about it <laughs> I gave him a record to listen uh, one of my favorite records Russian records yeah um, it's called On a Wave of My Memory yeah if, if you tr- translate it yeah On a Wave of the Memory and it's um uh, Came out basically at the same time as a um, Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, so yeah, like late seventies kind of. Yeah. yeah, late seventies is right, and it's very much. You can hear that's reflection one to another. Oh like, yeah, that huh. was the first rock record in Soviet Union. Wow, that was made by one composer uh, and it wasn't just one song and then another song and then a third song it was all like one big record very two together like yeah. one song would go into another into the third come back to, to the line unified yeah. yes and uh, he used um lyrics of all classic writers oh so none of that was written by contemporary yeah everything from 16th century 18th century 12th century poetry poetry okay all right uh all translated in russian or sometimes it's uh Sang in German. Sometimes it's sang. You haven't given me this yet. Have you? No. Like I, I, I'd be interested to hear it. Um, if you'll give me your YouTube, I'll, I'll find it for you on, on your phone, and you'll and you'll go. Yeah, there. but you know my like you you know my email address. Yeah, but I don't know sure. how to send it out, so that will take a while. I, all right. Well, I can. I mean, I'll 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 just do it on your iPad when next time you. Have yeah. It. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and. Chase listened yeah. to it, and he was absolutely amazed at, right. like by by that. Okay. So that I'd would be, be fun for you. I'd to, be interested to hear that. Yeah, that's so cool. So anyway, maybe we'll come back to it. Yeah, that maybe that'll be the second season, but not exactly discovering America, but it's discovering 
music, <laughs> discovering Vlad's music. Yeah, Vlad's music. Um, nice. I used to go to a jazz concert, uh-huh. which would be very interesting for uh, Chase to hear. And that would be like musical trio, you know, yeah. small little things. Oh, yeah. And jazz wasn't really that popular on a big stage in Russia. Yeah, it was I, I a little not. bit underground. So they would have to find uh, just musicians have to find some kind of sponsors where they can go and have a stage, stage time. Yeah. And uh, believe it or not, that trio that I was listening to found a sponsor in a club for blinds, for blind people. Yeah. Oh, that that makes total sense. But like, look at look at where like they have comedy nights. Look at where they have jazz nights here. Yeah. It's like, it's usually in some restaurant somewhere. It's not like... A, like there, there's very few places that are like... The, we just do jazz here, you know? Like, the theater that I was in, uh-huh. uh, the Mime Theater, yeah. uh, had supported by Nuclear Energy Institute. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we always had to find something, you know, small stage for us. <laughs> it's all right. Well, you know, I mean... So be careful. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, all right. All right. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you. This has been Discovering America. I hope you'll continue to join us. Uh, stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Bye bye. Thanks again. This has been a BitPlayers podcast, bitplayers.net.